Father, we just praise you. Let's just open, open in prayer. Lord, we worship, we magnify you, we praise you. We give you the glory. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy of all of the honor. You are worthy of all of the honor and the praise. We just want to receive from your word tonight. We want to hear what you have to say to us. We want to receive and, and, and open our hearts to the Holy Spirit to teach us your word and, and to help your word become revelation to us. And, and let's see things from your word today. Let us get a hold of things. Let us see things, some new things. And let us be stirred on things that we've heard before that, 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 that we need to be reminded of and refreshed on. And Father, I thank you that as the word is taught today, I thank you that faith comes by hearing. And I thank you that our faith will be, be increased and strengthened and, 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 and stirred up as we hear the word taught today in the name of Jesus. So we give you the praise for that in the glory, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's go to the book of Acts. That's a good place to start when you're doing a course called Book of Acts Christianity. Might as well go to the book of Acts. Amen. And we're going we're gonna to continue on some things, but obviously each of these, these weekends, I try to make them contained in themselves, even though it's part of a bigger series. Um, I try to make them part, uh, something that, you know, people can at least come and just hear one of them and not having heard the others. But if you haven't heard the previous ones, especially if you're watching on video, you, you, they, they are available on the YouTube channel and you can go and catch them up and they're all available there quite easily. But let's go to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. Now, God gave us the book of Acts as, um, I'll put it this way, the book of Acts is, is the only practical example we have of the church. Now, there's doctrinal things in the epistles, and in dealing with some of the doctrinal issues in the epistles, Paul does talk about some of the things going on in the churches. So to a degree, there's some little practical things about the inner workings of churches in Corinthians and Romans and different things like that. The book of Acts is really the only, only book that God's given us where he shows us this is what the church looks like in the world. This is what a functioning church looks like in, in, in the world. In other words, or, or put it this way, some people kind of say, well, you know, the book of Acts is just the early church. It's just the starting church. It's the young church. And I understand where they're coming from in that because I know in the epistles where the Bible talks about coming to maturity in Christ. But you realize that that that... A baby human still looks like a human. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> we, 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 human beings not, uh, are not caterpillars, where when we grow up to maturity, we look completely different because we go through a cocoon and come out a butterfly. Now, I understand renewing your mind. You, you want your, your, your worm mind to become a butterfly mind, but I'm talking about just naturally. Amen? Yeah. Human babies still look like, look like, look like adults except smaller. Except smaller. smaller, okay? But besides that, they still have two eyes, two arms, skin, <laughs> and, and, and functioning body parts even on the inside, heart, lungs, all of it. Eyes, nose, teeth. Teeth obviously grow. <clears throat> but just because the book of Acts might be, in a sense, the, the birth of the church, the, the, the young church, what we, some people call the early church, doesn't mean we're supposed to look completely different from it today. Yes, we're to come to maturity in Christ, and Ephesians talks about that, but if, 
if if the church today is supposed to look completely different to the book of Acts, where is our scriptural example of a church? How are we going to know what we should look like? Do you know that everything's supposed to be judged by the word? How can you judge whether the church is functioning right if we, we're so far past scripture that now we're different? Well, I'll tell you how you can judge. If we're so far past scripture that we're different, that means we've, we, we, we've gotten off track somewhere and we need to get back to what he's laid out for us and judge by the determined standard of the word. God knew what he was doing when he gave us the book of Acts as, as, as a practical, this is what the church looks like. Now, there's certain things. God doesn't really get massively into detail about some of the practical church governments of church because in different cultures, different societies, sometimes God, God allows a little bit of flexibility on some things without giving us an exact structure for everything. But the principles that he lays out in the book of Acts, they are timeless. They, they are not just principles. The book of Acts is not just the history of the church, and we've now moved on from that. No, there are principles put into the book of Acts that apply to us now. And we're supposed to get a whole... We've looked at some of those in this course. This is number eight, I think, that I'm doing. Obviously, when Tony teaches, he, he, he's, he's, he's talking about the authority of the believer at the moment. I think he's still going to continue on that. But it often ties in anyway. But let's go to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Now, in those days... Now, just before I say this, let me finish off what I was saying a moment ago. So as we, as, we, as we get into the book of Acts, we're not just learning history. We're not just learning what did happen. We're looking for the truths and principles that God wants us to, to get a hold of now. The things that he's putting in front of us. That, 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 and, and what comes, comes by hearing the word? Faith. faith. So as you, hear these, as you hear these things, this should be birthing faith or stirring faith in you that's already there. How many of you are ready to, to have your faith stirred today? How many of you are ready to, to move our faith levels up? You know that some, sometimes the enemy um, wants us to, to settle back for less than God has. And he wants our faith levels to taper down and for us to come to a place where we just think, well, I know, you know, some things in the Bible and I know this and this, but, you know, we're in England we can't have our expectation up there, up, you know, up, up at too much a higher level. The enemy wants to get us to settle for less. See, if the, sometimes if the enemy can't stop you believing God, he might get you to settle for less. Give you, give you something that's not quite. Keith Moore used to say, if it's not quite, it's not right. Amen? It's not quite what God put on your heart. Is then it's not quite right, because because sometimes sometimes we accept and settle for less, and we accept something different, and the enemy wants to sit on our shoulder, and 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 let mentalities get into our thinking. Do you realize we are affected? Our thinking becomes affected by our environment, and gets affected by what other people say, including other Christians. And um, sometimes, even over time, if we haven't quite seen some things happen, then over time, our thinking might tone back a little bit and settle for less. 
Now, let me just talk to you about a principle. Before. I'm, gonna, I'm laying a bit of groundwork. I haven't told you where I'm going, but I'm laying a bit of groundwork. But, but I think this is good to do. If, if we see something in the Word, and the Word of God shows us something, we're word-believing we're word Christians, are we not? We are a word, we're, I'm, a, I'm a word Christian, you're a, we're word Christians. Are we supposed to form our beliefs by the word? Even when what we are seeing does not line up with what the word says. Get this today, because we're going to talk about some things about the church. So, so, so when, when, when we see in the word healing, See, some Christians govern their beliefs by what they see. And that's why they try to talk you out of things the Bible says. Because, well, I know the Bible says by stripes we're healed, but, you know, we haven't all seen that. So, well, you know, it doesn't always work like that. And they will talk you down to the level of experience. <clears throat> and they want to govern what they believe by what they're experiencing. So they want to tell you, you know, God doesn't always heal everybody and it doesn't always work like that. Now, where in Jesus' messages did he teach like that? Did Jesus say, you get some prayers answered, you won't get others answered? Does it always work? He said in Jesus' teachings. Did Jesus say, ask the Father and he'll give? What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, you shall have them. Did Jesus present it as God who answers prayer? Where did Jesus say we we must we must adjust what he taught to fit our experiences and talk down our prayer lives because it doesn't always work like that? He didn't. This is the problem. Christians feel that we have got to adjust some things, and they feel they don't feel confident or bold enough to preach it how it's presented in the Word. Yeah. So when Jesus presented a father asking, "You shall receive," a lot of Christians don't want don't want to be quite, and that's why you see new ideas floating around. You know that not every greatly philosophical, spiritual sounding phrase that you see on a picture on Facebook is scriptural. There's a lot of them that are actually contrary to Scripture, but they sound spiritual. Well, the Lord doesn't always answer them all. Oh, how spiritual that sounds. And everyone goes, Amen. But that contradicts Jesus. But you see, it satisfies us because we like to lower the word to our experience. Rather than saying, if my experience is not lining up with the word, I need to believe to come up. Yeah. It, it, it's, <clears throat> it's a lot easier to lower the word to our experience because that satisfies the flesh. Do you know what that actually is? Pride. It's easier to point the finger at God when my experience doesn't line up with the word. This is why some Christians don't want to be bold on certain things about healing. And they want to deny that God doesn't heal everybody. It's not always God's will because, you know, well, we, we haven't always experienced it. 
Well, how many people have you preached the gospel to? And that if, it, if it's God's will, and let me ask you this, is it God's will that everybody gets saved? Does that mean everyone will get saved? Does that mean everyone who hears the gospel receives the gospel? No. Well, we, can, we understand that in the area of the gospel, but the moment it comes to healing, we want to adjust and not be confident to declare the Lord heals everybody because, well, you know, well, you know, well, we, you know, we prayed for some people and they didn't get healed. So we're going to preach experience. We're going to lower the word to experience. Should we be doing that? <coughs> Or should we have the confidence to preach the word? Should we have the confidence to say it like Jesus said it? Now, again, I'm laying, I'm laying groundwork here. We're going to go to Acts in a minute. So we know that. We're word Christians. We know. Preach the word. Believe God for your experience to come up to the level of the word. And, and even if it takes you a while. Now, I believe healing can manifest in a moment. I don't believe God, people think they're waiting for the Lord to heal them. I don't believe that doctrine. <clears throat> if it's taking a while, it's not because God's delaying some things. But, 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 but even if it takes us a while, what do you do? You stand on the word. You don't shift your belief off the word to adjust to your experience. We hold to what the word says. Amen? Now, we understand, certainly here, I know in, on the video, people might have heard different things in different churches, but that's how I believe it. I believe we look to the word of God. We see the standard laid out in the word of God. We say that is the standard. That's what we're putting our faith on. That's what we're going to believe. When God presents us something in the word, that's what we want to hold to. Now, let's, let's, let's look at how, how things grew in the book of Acts. Let's look at how the church developed in the book of Acts. Because is this just a history book? Or is this God showing us the pattern? How things should happen? When we look at this in the Word, should we say, well, I know that's, isn't that nice how happened in Acts, but you know, this is England. <laughs> Things don't happen like that. No, no, no. You didn't listen to what I just preached, did you? We don't do that in the area of healing. We don't do that in any area. We shouldn't do that in this in the area we're about to look at. Just because we're not experiencing something, and the Bible presents us, especially when you, you, I've learned this, when God's repetitious, it's because he's trying to show us something. Just because we're not experiencing it doesn't mean we shouldn't be putting our faith on it. And, and this is in terms of how, how things developed in the book of Acts. Well, how did things develop? Let's look at Acts 6. I believe you'll get something out of this if you listen to me today. How many of you believing you're going to get something out of this? I, before we get to Acts, I'm going to lay a bit more groundwork. If this is your first time seeing me on the video, you'll find I, 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 I do this. We'll, we'll get there eventually. But again, 
for some of you, reminding you some things. For people who may be listening to this message, I'll stir you up on some things. What do you do when you see something in the Word? And, and, and you, well, what should you do? You grab a hold of it, you let the Word build faith in you, but then what, what do you do with your faith? What should we be doing with our faith? Sorry? Action. Is faith supposed to be passive? No. How do, how do you release your faith? Speaking is, is, is one thing. Uh, I would say speaking is a major. In fact, it's very often the only one the Bible says. Now, in some areas, maybe there are other things. When you receive Jesus, how many actions did you need to your faith? Believe in your heart and speak with your mouth. And you became a new creature. <coughs> Jesus said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you might say unto. So Jesus said, it doesn't matter how big your faith is, what do you, what do you do? Even if it's mustard seed faith, speak it, begin to release it, begin to say something with your faith. Put your faith into your words and begin to release that faith. Do you have to wait until your faith is massive before you speak? No. The moment you believe something in the word, start putting it in your mouth. Or start keeping it in your mouth. Even if your faith is small, put it in your mouth. Speak it. Release it. Because this is important. Paul said, I believe, therefore I have spoken. So this apply, that applies in healing, it applies in every other area, it applies in everything. Get it out, coming out your mouth. Constantly, speak it. Now let's look at this, Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was what? What was happening with the number of the disciples in Acts? What, some, what your translation says increasing. Mine says multiplying. The original word there means both. means increase, abound, multiply. So all of those are accurate translations. The number of the disciples was doing what? Multiplying. Well, you see, that's because they were in revival and God was moving and that was, that was the birth. You know, they just come out of Acts 2 and they, stop justifying it. What does the Bible present to us as a book of Acts church? What, what, should, what, 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 what should be happening? This is the pattern. This is the example. Okay, hold your place there. Or in fact, just, just jump down a little bit to verse 7. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples, some say grew, some say multiplied, some say increased. It's the same Greek word, and it means all increased, multiplied, abounded. Seven verses later. We're going to come back to, to Acts 6, but look at a few others. Acts chapter 2. Jump back a little bit. Acts chapter 2, verse 41.
Acts chapter 2 verse 41. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls left the church. Oh, added to the church. That's a bit of increase, isn't it? Let's look at another one, Acts chapter 4. You're going to see God repeats this. Why does God keep repeating this? Why, why, why does God bother to point this out over and over and over again in Acts? Because you're going to see it's over and over and over again. What does the word of God do for us? Gives us a good history lesson, doesn't it? Let's all learn, let's all learn an intellectual history lesson from the Bible. No? What does the word of God do for us? Increases our faith. Just in your personal life. Not just in your, your walk with God. How many of you know this, this walk, this is my personal faith? But can this build faith in your life? What type, what type of God is he? Acts chapter 4 verse 4. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Someone says numbers are not that important. In your head, they're not. In the Bible, God points them out. Now, that doesn't, that doesn't mean be discouraged if you don't have the numbers. doesn't mean God's condemning you if the numbers are not there. But do numbers matter? Why would God put the numbers in there? If they didn't matter. See, we've talked ourselves out of Scripture by telling ourselves doesn't matter. In one sense, it doesn't matter. In the sense that we don't focus on that, we don't get discouraged when they're not there. But in another sense, they matter because we can put our faith on what the Bible shows us. How many of you connecting in with what I'm saying here? We don't go by the numbers. We don't get discouraged by the numbers. But, but that's the same as any area of faith. When you believe in God for healing, do you get your eyes on the sickness and get discouraged by the sickness? Oh, I've got symptoms. So, oh, you know, oh, I'm going to get to... No, that doesn't matter about the symptoms. By his stripes, I was healed. Stand on the word of God. You keep your eyes on what the word says. So we don't, we don't focus, we don't, get, we don't get pulled down by the numbers, we don't get focused on the numbers, but do the numbers matter in the sense of the word of God? Yes, they matter. Can we put our faith on, God, this is what you showed us, is, is how a church should function. See, in one sense, even in this country, we've been talked out of expectation for this. How many of you have ever heard the scripture? In Isaiah, where God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. There's a lot more in that than we've realized. Just because we think something doesn't mean that's how God thinks. Just because we repeat something and say it a lot in church does not mean that's how God thinks. Should we make sure that the things we are thinking and saying and teaching and repeating in church actually line up with what he thinks? Not every idea I have is conformed with his ideas. 
I need to conform my ideas to his and adjust what I think about the issue to him. So next time someone says, oh, numbers don't matter, it doesn't really matter. So hold on a second, the numbers do matter to God. We have a whole book in the Bible called Numbers. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone ever read it? It's all about numbers. And I'm not talking about weird numerology, you know, actual numbers of people. Let's look at some others. Acts 16. <coughs> Acts chapter 16. Does the book of Acts mention the numbers of the, of the disciples a few times? Why does God, why does God mention this? Acts chapter 16, verse 5. What should be happening as we're reading this? What's going to happen in your life? What comes by hearing the word? Grab this. This is not a history lesson. Grab this. This is the word of God. Grab this and begin to say, yes, this is the, the type of church God presented to us. What should you do? I've already laid the groundwork. Now you're going to see what I laid the groundwork. What do you do with your faith? Act on your faith. How do you act on your faith? Speaking. Father, Take these scriptures and begin to speak. Father God, I thank you that you are doing this. Put your faith on increase, growth, multiplication. What do you do when you don't see it instantly? Get discouraged and quit? No, you keep speaking it. <coughs> Are we faith people? Yeah. Do you think God taught us about faith just for your own personal life? Or do you think God wants to create an environment of believers who put their faith on the kind of things he shows us in Scripture? Yes? Let's read, the, where did I say, Acts 16 verse 5. So the churches were strengthened in the faith. And what happened? Increased in number daily. This is not Acts 2. This is Acts 16. Now, I'm not entirely sure of the timeline. But Acts 10 was approximately 10 years after Acts 2. And this is a few years after that. Now, the chapters don't necessarily, not one chapter per year, but, I mean, this might be 16, 17 years after Acts. This is not just right after Acts 2. Can't just say they're growing because of the day of Pentecost and they're outpouring Acts. This is the momentum kept going. This is not a, just a growth revival that caused church growth for two years and then all tapered off. Ten years later, 15 years later, what's still happening? The multiplication and the growth. We managed to get churches multiplying for a year or two, and then it tapers off. Something's a bit different, isn't it? They're increasing in number daily, years after. Let's go to another one, Acts chapter 9. I'm just showing you how much this is in there. Can we develop multiplication faith in the Word, or from the Word? Can the word of God develop multiplication faith in us? Is it wrong for us to believe and expect this kind of multiplication? 
Or should we just lower the level of our expectation and settle for less? No, we're, we're the people who believe the word. We don't settle for less. God raises and presents a standard in front of us. Put your faith on it. What happens if it's not what we're seeing? Well, we just give up. No, that's not us. We keep standing. We keep declaring. Is God the kind of God that can multiply and increase? We'll look at those scriptures in a minute. But he said, Paul said, I've planted. Paul has watered. <laughs> then, then what happened? God gave the increase. Is he a God that brings increase? Is he multiplies? Is he a God that can, can cause that momentum to happen? How is it going to happen? Well, it's because we got a good marketing strategy. I've touched on that one before. You know, it's okay to have some natural things in place. I'm not, I'm not saying you have bad people skills and bad marketing, but, but don't depend upon that. Where in the book of Acts? Where, where did the growth happen because of their people skills? Can we develop multiplication faith? Can we begin to expect, is God the God, kind of God that can multiply things? How many of you remember Jesus multiplied some things? Multiplied food. He multiplied, multiplied uh, the, the loaves and fishes. In fact, let's look at one of those. Just go to John 6 quickly. I want to stir your faith up a little bit of multi multiplication and increase faith. Because uh, I, I, I believe, certainly in this country, and we're preaching in England, and praise God, the Word of God's good and relevant for anybody, anywhere, no matter where you're watching this video, you can grab a hold of this. But in this country, we, in, in very often, we've, we, 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 we've settled for less because we don't always see quite as much. But we need to really hear the word, build our faith, grab a hold of the kind of God he is, even in your own life. Can God multiply? Can God bring increase even when everything in the world is decreasing? Can the people, Isaiah, sorry, not Isaiah, um, Isaac, in Genesis 26, there was famine in the land. Isaac heard from God, and God said, stay. Stay in the land. Don't run away. So, and he sowed in the land, and he, and, and he multiplied. Do we serve a God that is able to multiply in his people's lives? Amen. In my personal life, in my church. Now, when we're in a situation in the world where the world is struggling, this is a time the people of God need to hear about this. Yeah. Yeah. When we're in a nation where the church doesn't always move forward at the pace it needs to, what do we need to hear? The word like this. Yeah. <coughs> John 6. Starting in verse 1, we won't read it all. Um, multitudes following him. Verse 5, uh, Jesus lifted up his eyes, seeing a, multi a great multitude coming toward him. He said to Philip, where shall we get bread that these might eat? 
One thing I've learned about the Lord is when he asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. God's often taught me things out of the word by asking me questions. Uh, you know, that's one of the ways he teaches me. I'm not saying he has to teach you that way. But sometimes I'm reading and the Spirit of the Lord will just ask me a question about the Scripture and I'll look at it and I'll think, um, half the time the question doesn't make a lot of sense. I scratch my head and I say, I'm not quite sure, Lord. I mentioned one of them the other day on Tuesday night. I was reading Genesis 1, 1, 1, one time. And, 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 and I was, look, you know, God, God said, let there be light. And God saw the light that it was good. I was reading through it, and suddenly the Spirit of the Lord said to me, what did I not say is good in Genesis 1? And I was like, huh? It wasn't even on my mind. I said, I don't know, Lord. What did you not say was good? And he said, go read. And I said, okay, I'll have a read. And I'll have another look. And the Lord says, let there be light. And God saw the light that it was good. And I kept reading. And God said, you know, let there be this, and let there be this. And God said, be good. It was good. It was good. It was good. And I, and I thought, okay, I, I don't know, Lord. I don't know the answer to the question. And the Lord said, I never said the darkness was good. He said, I separated the light from the dark. And I said, the light, that's good. I got a revelation out of that. See, sometimes how God teaches me. I was reading scripture one time where it says, the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I was just reading that one time and the Spirit of God in my heart just said to me, how does, the, how does the water cover the sea? And I thought, huh? What do you mean? I, I was like, God, can you rephrase the question? It doesn't make sense. No, he says, no, just think about how does the water cover the sea? And I said, Lord, you, you, you obviously don't understand your own question because the question doesn't make sense to me, Lord. No, I didn't say all that to God, but I'm just kind of joking you. God knew what he was trying to say. He asked the question to pause and make me stop and think. So I said, Lord, I don't know. I saw where there's water, there's sea, where there's sea, there's water. How does the water cover the sea? What do you, how does it, I don't know the answer to that question. And the Spirit of the Lord just came back and said, in abundance. Just because there's water doesn't mean it's sea. You can have a pond. You can, you can have a river. Not every bit of water is sea, but how does the water cover the sea? This place is, it's miles and miles deep in abundance. So the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, just like a little, little trickle over the whole surface of the earth. It's not what he's saying. In abundance. <coughs> this is often how God's taught me. But anyway, this is what Jesus is doing. He's asking them a question. Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? It's not because he doesn't know the answer. But he's challenging them. In fact, it says in the next verse, he said this to test them, for he himself knew what he would do. But what, is, what do Philip and the disciples do? They choke, they. They look at the size of the crowd. They look at what's in front of them. They get their eyes focused on what they see. And they begin to think, Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient. <coughs> they begin to look at the natural resources. Is God limited to the natural resources? 
Is God limited to what you got in your pocket? No, God can do beyond what's in your pocket. I remember a time Peter said, silver and gold have I got, have I not got? It's my paraphrase. I don't have any in my pocket at the moment, but does that mean God can't do anything? Because I've got, got, got any silver and gold in my pocket at the moment. No, the Spirit of God can still move. Something can still happen. Silver and gold, have none. doesn't matter if I've got it in my pocket or not. Rise and walk. You can still get a move of God in your life. I'm not limited to the resources that I got in on my pocket at the moment. I'm not limited to what's available to me at the moment. I serve a God who can multiply. I serve a God who can increase things. Can God increase the people in the church? Can he multiply the disciples? Why am I preaching this? Because our faith never, we need to start speaking multiplication. What type of God do we serve? Do we serve a God who's limited? Do we serve a God who can only do so much and no more? Or do we serve a God who has no limitations whatsoever? Should we, should we, Allow the environment in the nation to, to set our expectation low. This is why people say to me, oh, you can't go to that area. It's hard in that area. I'm like, no, no, we're we going to get in that area. I don't care how long it takes, what it takes. We're There's going to be a change in that area. Because I serve a God who can do it. Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? And Philip says, 200 denarii worth can't do it. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, this verse 8, there's a lad here who's got five barley loaves and two small fish. Now, I don't think Andrew was thinking God's going to multiply that fish. I think Andrew was thinking i got a boy over here. He's got some food. You guys wander around and you go and see if anyone else. Let's take a bit. Let's get them all together. Let's pull all the food together. Okay? This is why he says, i got a boy here. He's got some loads and fish. But then he adds on, what are they among so many? I don't think he was quite thinking miracle here. But he's trying to see whether I can pull it all together with my natural resources. But he's trying. At least he's trying something. This is when Jesus steps in. And what happens? Miracle. Miracle. Multiplication takes place. Multiplication. How many get fed? And we know we know this. We've heard these miracles. Is it good to hear again? Why? Why is this in the Bible? Why does... Why does God show us that he's able to multiply things like this? Because he is. <clears throat> Can he multiply things in your own life? Should, should we, the people of God, have multiplication faith? 
should our faith be in the God that can multiply and increase? Can he increase numbers? Can he increase the amount of people? Can he increase resources available to me? Should we lower our faith down to a level where we just don't expect this to happen anymore? What if it doesn't happen immediately? Keep standing. Keep speaking. Keep taking the word and being, I believe in a God who multiplies. If I don't get it right first time around. Though the righteous fall, he gets back up again. You, can, you know, what happens if I stand on the word and it doesn't work? Someone says, someone says what, you know, what happens if I believe God and, for healing and it doesn't work? You get back up and you believe God a second time. That's what you do. And quit. That's what the, the Bible says. Though the righteous fall, he gets back up again. Amen. You keep at it until you, until you, until you, until you, until you get results, until you keep standing on the word. What happens if I believe God for increase and increase doesn't happen? See, the enemy wants you to quit. The enemy wants you to settle back. The enemy wants you to settle for less. But I believe in the power of the word of God. See, anyone else shall believe in the power of the word of God? It might be a little bit differently to how I normally preach, but this is good. Amen? Amen. Why, why, why am I pushing this? We need to start putting our faith on the God who multiplies. Right. And keep your faith on multiplication. Not just in your own life, finances, resources, anything in your life, but also in our churches. Don't stop. We need to create an environment of a people who believe in a God who multiplies and increases. Can it happen? Is God capable of doing it? Is he the God who increases things? <coughs> let's, look, let's look at this. Go to this. Acts chapter, in fact, go back to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. I read about um, the, the, the number of disciples increased. Let's look at this one. Acts chapter 6 and verse 7. Let's read the whole thing again. Then the word of God, my translation says spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. That's not actually really the best translation of the first part of that phrase, then the word of God spread. Actually, the, the, that in verse 7, the word spread there in my translation, the word of God spread, it's, it's the Greek word oxano, A-U-X-A-N-O, which means to grow, to enlarge, to increase, to become greater. 
So it, it doesn't just mean the word of God spread. It's talking about an enlargement and, and, and an increase taking place. What was increasing? In verse 7. Two things are increasing. The word of God is increasing and the number of the disciples is increasing. And see, the book of Acts presents both to us. Let's look at this. Acts 19. Acts 19. And we'll finish in just a moment. And then we'll build on this in the next session. Acts 19 verse 20. Everybody there? So the word of the Lord did what? It's the same word, oxano. Grew mightily. Does God's word have the power to grow, to increase, to spread? Is, there, is the power in the word itself to do that? Is the word of God limited? It grew. Why? It's a seed. A week ago, I was teaching on the fruitful life. When I was in Warrington, I was talking about the, a seed has the power to increase. A seed has the power to grow. This is all linked. I'm going to be teaching on a few things linked in a few different places. What, does God like things to grow and increase? Or is he a God who's just happy with things not growing and increasing? The Bible reveals to us the nature of God. Do you, do you believe that? And right from Genesis 1, some of the, would you, let me ask you this. Without looking, what was the first instruction, the first verbal instruction God gave man? Genesis 1. Say it again. Be fruitful and multiply. Oh, but numbers don't matter. Now, Genesis 1 says God blessed them, but it doesn't give us the verbal thing. And then it says in quotation marks, be fruitful and multiply. First instruction. Fruitfulness. What is fruitfulness? Fruitfulness is the growth, the multiplication, the increase. You look at Noah. God comes to Noah and he says exactly the same thing. Go be fruitful and multiply. Is he a God that wants things to expand, increase, be fruitful and multiply? Is this his nature revealed throughout scripture? There's some people that are very anti any kind of preaching about increase. But the very nature of God is multiplication and increase. Does Jesus tell parables? Okay, yes, he does tell parables. <clears throat> does he tell parables about a man that gave a certain amount to, to some people? Two, five, one. But that's not, that's not the only one. There's a number of Jesus' parables. Now, what did he expect out of that? An increase. Jesus told parables about a, vine, a, a vineyard owner who went away and he left his vineyard to 
servants. And then you'll see this. It says, a while later, he came back seeking the fruit. You see that phrase in there. What's he looking for? What is fruit? It's the increase. He came looking for the increase in the investment he'd given in their lives. You see this throughout the word, all over the place, the nature of God. Is increase and multiplication. What is it? Does the word of God have the power to increase and multiply? Why do you think he told us the word is a seed? What, what is powerful about a seed? If I came and said, oh, look at these lovely seeds I've got. Oh, and that lovely seed. Look at all my seeds. I'm going to put them in a cabinet so we can all look up seeds. Do nothing. And three years later, I said, oh, I've still got my little bag of seeds. Look at my lovely seeds. You'd look at me like, God doesn't understand seeds. But what makes seed powerful? Seed has the power to multiply. I'm not just talking finance. People, if people focus. I'm talking about everything. Jesus compared the whole kingdom of God to a seed. He said the kingdom of God is like a seed. Why? What is it about a seed? A seed has the power to multiply. It's this very core to the nature and heart of God. If this is so core to the heart of God, I, and I believe this is core. You know, core means quite central and important. Is this a side issue? Not when you look at it like this. The very first instruction he gave man was fruitful and multiply. He compared his entire kingdom to a seed. And then points out that it's because that seed will grow and become greater. He compared his word to a seed. The sower sows the word. Then you begin to realize this is very core to who God is and how he functions. So should it be called to us? Yes. yes. Puts an act about things multiplying. Is that just a random side thought? Or is that consistent with Genesis to Revelation? Yes. Yes, it, is. it is, yes. It's not just an isolated extra that he puts in Acts. So, so should we allow the word of God to build our faith in this area? Should we be a people who believe in increase and multiplication in every area of what we're doing? Should we limit God? Or should we in the God who gives the increase? I said this a week ago, but things bear repetition. There are a lot of Christians that say, oh, you know, I've just got mustard seed faith because Jesus, Jesus talked about, you know, if you've got faith, there's a mustard seed. So it's all right. I've just got mustard seed faith. It's all right. My mustard seed faith. Remember what I said about if I had a bag of seeds? Said, oh, look at my bag of seeds. And then I put them on a big cabinet and said, three years later, look at my bag of seeds. You'd think something's wrong with the guy. He doesn't really understand seeds. There's Christians that are walking around. They've been doing it for years. 
boasting about their mustard seed faith. Five years later, they're still boasting about their mustard seed faith. What that tells me is they don't understand some things. Faith is not supposed to stay a mustard seed. The power of a seed is its ability to grow and increase. If your faith was mustard seed 10 years ago and it's still mustard seed faith, something's wrong. Don't get condemned about that. Just learn and start fixing it. See, what it shows us about faith is that it doesn't matter how big it is when it starts, it doesn't matter if it's the tiniest thing around, it has the potential to grow and increase and become powerful. Every single person in the kingdom of God has the potential to produce powerful, strong faith from a simple little seed of faith in their life, depending on what you do with that seed. But throughout the word, over and over again, across different principles, he shows us he's a God who multiplies. He's a God who increases things. And if that's the God we serve, should that be, is it okay for us to expect that? Is it okay to put, for us to put our faith on it? And not only that, should we be, should it be showing up in our lives and in our churches? It should. Who God is as a God who multiplies should be showing up. And therefore we should be, see the enemy has got us to settle for less. The enemy's got, he's managed to infiltrate the church with ways of thinking that are not God's ways in this area. God says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. So what should we do? Find out what his thoughts are and shift to his thinking. And what does he show us? As I've just, I've just given a very brief overview. We'll do a bit more. But Genesis to Revelation, he's a God who multiplies and increases. He thinks multiplication and increase. He looks for multiplication and increase. When he puts an investment or a seed or he gives someone something, he always comes back and looks for more back from them. The guy who he gave two to came back and said, here's your two. Did, did the, did the, in the parable, did he say, oh, well, I'm glad you at least gave me my two back. Good boy. Or was he not impressed that there was no interest? So when God gives you mustard seed faith, Bible says God has dealt to each man the measure of faith. Don't want to go into all the doctrine of that. Is he expecting you to come back in eternity and say, Lord, here's the mustard seed faith you gave me. I protected it. I put it in a cabinet and I protected it as mustard seed faith. Is he going to look at you and say, oh, well done, I'm impressed? No, because he wants his kids to think like he thinks and to think multiplication and increase of everything he gives us. Anything he invests in my life. And this should be the nature of the kingdom. This should be the nature of how the church functions. That's what we see in Acts. Let's take a break and we'll uh, 
we'll look a bit more at that a little bit later. Amen? Praise God. Just going to have a short break, get some coffee, and be back in a minute for some more.